Welcome to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. I'm your host, Jess Connolly. I'm an author, a Bible teacher, a coach, and I'm obsessed with helping women take their place in the kingdom and use their God-given gifts. I go and tell gals, we equip and encourage women with different tools like our map to more guide, our group coaching program, go teams, and even by training other women as coaches through our licensing program. Whether you're a college student, a stay at home mom, a small business owner, an astronaut, or a veterinarian, our goal is that you lead this episode feeling more empowered to do what God has called you to do. We're so glad you're here and we're on your team. Let's jump into this week's episode. We are here together today. It's Jess and Anna. And this is going to be a fun podcast. I'm really excited. So first I have to tell you, people often ask what my favorite podcast is. Do people ever ask you what your favorite podcast is? Do you, besides... (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Besides ours... Do you have a favorite podcast? (laughs) Okay. No. No, you don't. Not really. That's okay. The podcasts that I listen to are like highly informative. So it's like you don't even want to call them like your favorite podcast. It's not your favorite. You just listen to it. Yeah. It's not even like – it doesn't make you feel good to listen to it. But it's like – news are different real you know? real on the, yeah on the regular I listen to one other podcast so that's where I'm getting to I listen to one other podcast and it's not typical in that it's not related to go and tell gals at all it's not a Christian podcast it's the beautiful mess podcast yes. with LC and Emma Larson mm-hmm. and I love it and I love them it's a lot about home decor and design and blogging and business and sisterhood and I love that podcast and it feels so other from my life mm-hmm. because, again, a lot of it is about decor, and I never really decorate my home, but I want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's like crafty, and I'm like, I don't do that either, and cooking, and I don't do that either. But I like, either, to, think but I like to think about it. <laughs> In my mind, I do. In my mind, I do. So it feels like absolute recreation, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's not work. Yeah. It's like pure entertainment. It's pure so far removed from like our yes. podcast or your current work that you can enjoy it. A hundred percent. It's the same way that Great British Bake Off is interesting to me because I'm never going to make, you know, like a shoe pastry. So I don't even know what that is. It's so. a thing. Awesome. So the gals at A Beautiful Mess, I'm saying all of this to tell you, this episode is a nod to them. If they acknowledged my nod, I'd be out of this world excited because mm-hmm. I'm big fans. Mm-hmm. But they did an episode a little bit ago about cliches, cliche phrases. And it was one of my favorite podcast episodes that I've ever listened to. And some of the ones that they referenced are rooted in Christian phrases and that I think Christians are the worst at. Okay. So I said, can we, can you and I come together and talk about some of these cliche phrases. And basically what I want to say is like, where does this come from? Why do people say this? Do you give it a thumbs up or thumbs down? Also, that's what they did in the Beautiful Mess podcast. So I'm just, you know. Drawing inspiration. Inspiration. Do we want this to be a part of our life? Do we feel like it's a helpful thing? Is it one of those cliches that's a cliche because it is true? Like the squeaky wheel always gets the grease. Like that's a cliche because it's true. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. I like it. Let's jump in. Let's do it. Okay. And I want to start with, because we've actually referenced this one on the podcast before, Kanisha Bikes referenced this on a podcast together, a phrase that most Christians, maybe some Christians use, and a lot of them don't like or do like, doing life together. 
doing life together. I want to know what's your take on doing life together, the phrase. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty neutral about it. I'm sure I've said it in my life before. I mean, I feel like it's like a, it's like a positive thing. Like you're like doing life together. It sounds like, I don't know. It yeah. sounds positive. It sounds like a good thing. Yeah. When you, when you actually think about it, it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Because like, what part of life are you doing together? Yeah. Like the people that you're quote unquote doing life with are like, probably like your community group or some of yeah. like your really close friends or people who you have for accountability. But like, are you actually doing like all of life together? No, you're probably, probably are in a group thread. Yeah. With them. Yep. And, like, maybe see them once or twice a week. Okay, you are hitting at the main point that I want to say about why I don't love this phrase. Oh, I don't I love, love it. to hear it. I don't dislike it because it's cheesy. I don't care. Whatever. That's fine. I'm a cheesy person. I'm fine with being cheesy. I don't like it because as a leader in a church and because as a person who's, like, who pays attention to Christian culture, I have shared this on the podcast in the past, specifically in our friendship series, I believe that most people overestimate the abundance and quantity of other people's community. Mm-hmm. I think everybody yeah. else thinks everybody else is hanging out all the time. Yeah. And I think that there are seasons where you do life together. If say you go to college and you don't have to work in college and you get to like go to class and for the rest of the time, like build community to some degree, you are doing life together. Yeah, that's true. You're literally like living You're together. Living You're living together. In the yes. same room. Like, Absolutely. All of that. Yeah. You're sharing those communal bathrooms. That is doing life together. That's doing life together. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Then there are other seasons. I've had seasons where it really felt like, okay, this is it for me. I've told you about this when I referenced on the podcast. There was a season in my early 20s where I was a stay-at-home mom, and I had a lot of friends who were stay-at-home moms. They were stay-at-home moms. And so we would hang out together. We would cook together. We we worked together a lot. And I would say in that phase, we felt like we were doing life together. But I would say for the majority of people, specifically anyone who has to work for a living, that takes up the bulk of your life. It truly does. <laughs> so, like, I'm going to be honest, Jess, a lot of weeks I see you more than I see 100%. my husband. Like, literally. Yeah, 100%. And I'm so. Like sleep next to each other, but, like, you're asleep. So, you know. Yeah. The waking hours that I have are I spend more time with my coworkers than, like, my actual next of kin. 100%, which is m- typical for that's, most yeah, people. Yeah, that's normal. Now, if you don't like doing life together, you definitely don't want to work at Go and Tell Gals because I would say to some degree, we do life together. One of our coworkers, Caroline, her dad has said in the past, you didn't get a job, you got a lifestyle. <laughs> Which is my favorite thing in the whole world. <laughs> because we do kind of roll deep together. Yeah. So like we work out a lot of times together and that's really it. We just exercise together and do work, <laughs> do life together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we exercise together, we work together, yeah. but... A lot of times our work, I think, from the outside looks to people like we're hanging out, but we're not. We're working, you know? So what I'm saying is I think you're right. I think that I've said this again on the podcast. I'm 37. I have four kids, three of which are teenagers. My life is a lot of carpool. It's a lot of work. And I don't mean like a lot of work. Like it's hard. I mean, like I work for 30 to 40 hours a week, you know? And some of that is in the church and some of that is in go and tell gals and some of that is leading workouts, et cetera. But 
my actual time with community is often very limited. Like maybe once a week, am I spending time in like pure community? Yeah. And so that's the only reason why I don't love this phrase. Now I do want to say the actual phrase doing life together, I believe it was coined in 1990. I did a little research about a Christian book. And again, I am a community girl. So I love the theme of like, let's try to be intentional. I always say to other friends, let's try to find rhythms we can do together. Let's go to the grocery store together if we can. Let's like make sure our kids get married. I don't know. What do we need to do? Like, let's figure it out. But I do want to do like a a special asterisk here to the book written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called Life Together, which I have read and I know other people have read and really loved, but it was written in a wild season where he is literally living underground in the midst of the Holocaust. And he's talking about like living life together and it's from a rooted in a really Christ centered place. So I want to just like give an asterisk to that of like, that's the kind of life together that says like, we're going to lay our lives on the line together for one another Mm -hmm. in a gospel centered way. But I think that in 2022, I do think a lot of that is happening in a group chat or a once a month hangout or worshiping together or building the kingdom alongside each other, even if that means you don't go to the same park every day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of crashing that whole idea of like the Friends TV show of like, hey, that is not how people live. We yeah. don't live in the TV show Friends. Yeah, for sure. And they couldn't afford their life. That's not realistic. <laughs> <laughs> they could not. They could not live in the apartments they lived in and drink coffee all day and like basically be- never go Which to work. they do mention in the last episode that they their do, thank apartment God. was rent controlled yeah, because it, it was Monica's be, grandmother's. It, it was ridiculous. They probably said that because people were yeah. throwing shade at them. Yeah, it. they had to open. <laughs> I love that you knew that that readily. <laughs> okay. Phrase number two. So doing life together, do you say thumbs up or thumbs down? I think, I think overall I say thumbs down. I think that there are, there's, I'm sure there's a time and place for it, but I think like the vast majority of the time, like the rule is thumbs down. Okay. I think I'm a solid thumb sideways because I'm like, I want to be in community with people. I think I'm like thumb sideways with a tiny dip down because of the expectation that this phrase brings. Yeah. And I just don't love that for people. Yeah. I, that's, that's how I feel too. If it's going to bring people insecurity then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is a big one. This is a big one. We got to get in there. It's theological. It messes people up. Phrase number two, everything happens for a reason. What's your gut? I just want gut up down. My gut just, like, did a sad face when I heard that. (laughs) I feel like, so, again, like you said, like, rooted in the gospel. Yeah. I think this is one of those phrases that, like, carries the best of intentions. Yeah. But, like, not once in my life when someone has ever said that to me has it actually made me feel better. Yeah. (laughs) You know? I know. And I think it's one of those things where, like, it's easy to say when, like, we don't know what to say. When we don't have the words, it can feel like we're trying to like be sensitive or be there or like twist something in a positive light. But I just don't think that's it. I don't yeah. think that's what like, if someone's going through something really hard, that would warrant you saying like everything happens for a reason. I don't think that's probably what's going to like yeah turn their attitude around and make them all of a sudden feel 
awesome about a less than ideal scenario. I agree. I think I'm a solid thumbs down too. And I think it's just not the most comprehensive thing to say. I think sometimes we want a quick pithy statement. So let's get into scripture where I think this phrase is rooted from or like taken from is Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. So we just have to say it like this is biblical. There is a huge asterisk here of like, of those who love God. Yeah. That is what the Bible says. So I'm not even going to unpack that for you. I'm just going to like put that out there. So number one, that's my number one asterisk. Number two, I think that even this verse needs to be read in the context of all of scripture, which says that God does not want his kids to feel pain. Yeah. Like he does not want his kids to hurt. And so he doesn't look at you and say like, well, I caused this horrible thing in your life because I have a, like some puzzle piece that you can't see. I think that my perspective is that we live under the effects of a fallen world. Mm -hmm. We are subject to sin. We're subject to the sin of others. We're subject to the fallenness of our bodies and the fallenness of like the actual earth, which is decaying. I do not believe God wants bad for us. I believe that he does use it for good for those that he loves, meaning like he will not waste our pain Mm -hmm. and he will use it for his glory and our good. I don't know that we'll always see it. I don't know that it always is like one plus two equals three on earth. And I think that this statement passes over a lot of things. My biggest deal is like if someone's going through something horrific and you're going to say anything about God. I lean towards, I want to say to someone, like, I believe God is deeply moved by your pain. Mm-hmm. I believe he has compassion for you right now. Yeah. And if you press me and ask, like, do you think he's going to use this? I will say, like, yeah, I do. I think he's going to use it for your good. But mm-hmm. I don't think that that means you have to stuff your pain or pretend that this isn't hard or you shouldn't mourn or you shouldn't grieve. And I think like that's the important part because I think also this phrase, like everything happens for a reason, it makes it almost seem like like that good or or what could come out of it is like God like caused it to happen. Yes. Yeah. And that is like I think the furthest thing from the truth. Like yeah. like it's like messy. yes, it's so it's helpful to know that if we are going through trials, like on the other end, there will be some lesson or something, but that's not why it happens. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and this is where it's so interesting that we talk about this as like go and tell gals and on the podcast, because we know we serve a variety of women and let's just like take a step back. Let's take a step back and say like, Hey, just FYI, there are women listening to this who come from just so many different theological backgrounds. So some would maybe say like, Nope, I do believe God causes everything. I believe Mm -hmm. he's completely in control. And there are some that would say like, I don't know. I believe that he's good, but that there are things that like he allows to slip through his fingers. I don't know. Like, and so I just want to say, Hey, you're welcome here wherever you land theologically. I think the only thing I right that I can feel like I can say is like, I know God loves his kids yeah. and I know he doesn't want us to hurt. Yeah. And I know he'll use our pain for good. I said that about slipping through his fingers because I one time heard someone speak, and this is harder to say over a podcast, but one time heard someone speak and explain this Romans 8, 28, kind of like holding their hands together, but their fingers attached loosely and said like, it's that sifting that God allows like pain because we live under the effects of the fallen world. So it's not like he's like pushing hardness at us. It's not like he's causing trauma or like pushing a button to cause trauma or pain in our life, but it like slips through his hands. 
he's not unaware that it's happening. It's not like an accident, but then he uses that pain for good. So if you just heard that answer and you thought like, oh, that's too loosey goosey. I'm not sure what that means. Like me either, sister. I don't know. Like, I don't think I can figure out God on a one page PDF. Like, I don't think I can understand this verse very well, but I want to try to understand him. And more than that, I want to understand his character. So everything happens for a reason is a thumb down for me, even though I would agree that I do believe God uses for the good of those who love him, our pain for his glory and our good. Yeah. Even though I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. On a lighter note, you know, I hate this spoiler alert. (laughs) Hate, hate, hate. This is three thumbs down for me. Fearless leader. I hate it. Yeah. I don't like it at all. And it's so interesting. I never saw anything of it. Like, I would say, like, oh, fearless leader. Mm -hmm. But I think it was just because, like, in my head, it was, you know, like, what people say. Yes. And I didn't think of what it actually meant. And so when you unpacked it one time for me of, like, how you actually felt and what it actually means, I was like, wait, yeah, Yeah. that's not right. I don't love fearless leader. Here's why. Because I think if you have a leader who has no fear, they are a sociopath and you should not be in leadership. (laughs) You should not let them lead you. Really? It means that they have nothing to lose. They got nothing to lose. You know who's fearless? Like the Joker on Batman. You know? You want them leading your team? No, thank you. Like that's how I feel about fearless leaders. I don't want a leader who has absolutely no fear because that to me means that they don't care about things. Yeah. Now, do I want a leader who doesn't like live into or obey or like make agreements? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I do. But I want a leader that acknowledges, here's what I'm scared about. Here's what I'm scared about. And here's what I'm going to do to like be brave in the midst of that. And so I don't like it because of that. I don't like it because I think it has set a lot of people, specifically women up to feel like if they have fear, they can't make Mm -hmm. a move. They can't take a step. And so much of life and leadership and love and mission and walking with God is doing stuff scared. Yeah. Like literally being scared while it happens. Yeah. 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 I would say like brave leader or courageous mm-hmm, leader mm-hmm, or something would mm-hmm. be better because that is still saying like you can have fear, but you can, you can work through it. You can act through it and still lead. And then in return, like cause the people that you're leading to see that fear and see you working through it and know that they can do the same. Yeah. And that's encouraging. Yeah. I say three thumbs down for yeah. fearless leader. Okay. Next phrase. This is another heavy one. This is we're really going in deep. God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. What's your immediate gut take? I mean, my immediate gut take is the exact same as everything happens for a reason. I just don't think that's kind. Like I just don't I just don't think the situations you're gonna use that for that you would be tempted to say that, I don't think that's gonna be helpful for the person who's going through like a really hard time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, okay, so let's get to scripture. What I think this is rooted in is 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. I think this is where most people get this idea of like, nothing is going to come in front of you that's going to overtake you. But it's important to note that this whole passage is about temptation. Right. It's, Which is very different. It's than, like, really if different. Something, if some like terrible life scenario happens, if you get a diagnosis, if you get, if, you know, if you lose your job or if you have like a whole progression of just yes. unfortunate events in your life. Yeah. Like, At this point in the podcast, should we tell 
the very most embarrassing story about me speaking because I feel like this fits. If you think for like 10 seconds, you were there. I said something really bad that I probably should never say again. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? I'm sure I do. Yes. In my head. I'm... In Pennsylvania. Yep. Okay. Don't you feel like this fits? I'm going to say it. Say it. Okay. This I'm was. I'm curious to see where, where you go with it. Okay. This was in 2019. <laughs> so I just want to say that. No, no, no. It was 2018. It was 2018. It was very pre-pandemic. Two years pre-pandemic. Pandemic, or it's 2018. It's your like second trip with me traveling. Yeah. I'm on stage. I'm in a room with thousands of women and I don't know where I was going or how I got here. I was somehow talking about like this idea that like, if we follow God, we're all going to live our best life now. And I said, the truth is not everybody in this room is going to be alive a year from now. Yeah. I think you were talking about like having like a great year, like how people say like best year ever yes. or something. You're like, some of you are not going to have the best year ever. Some of you are not going to have the best year ever. Now at this point, it's important that you guys know that I was on stage and I looked over at Anna, who was she, she literally <laughs> verbatim said, some of you guys are going to die this year. I did. And then she goes, I mean, statistically, statistically, it was kind of like a groan what you need to hear is never say that. I should have never said it from stage. I would never say it on stage post-pandemic because it's too close. It's too real. But this is two years pre-pandemic. Okay, guys? You were just really trying to get the emotions. And I really just wanted to say, like, it's not going to be all our best years ever. Yeah. Like, some of us are going to have our hardest years this year. But I need you to know that I am on stage and I say it and I look over at Anna, who I know at this point well. Like, God has bonded us together, but it hasn't been long. Maybe, no. maybe two months. This was a transformative trip for us. And I looked over at Anna who was sitting on the front row and she is very gently shaking her head. And I think she was making that like cut across yeah, your like, throat. Yeah, like hand, like like the hand throat, across the throat. Like cut it, it out. Like, it it Stop. It <laughs> Get it together, Connelly. Okay, let me circle it back around. If anything, did the pandemic teach us that like we are so fragile and that life is so fleeting and like actually we are going to experience boulders of pain and anxiety and stress that we literally don't know that we can handle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I tell you this all the time. Had anyone described the pandemic to me two months out, I would have been like, I'm out. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to live through that. I would have said that. I really do think, I don't love that about myself. I don't love that that would have been my response, but I would have thought I can't handle that. I cannot handle the stress of that. Yeah. And look at this. Look, God has gotten us through to this place. But like there are very good and faithful and strong people that are not with us yeah. two years later. Yeah. And so I think from an earthly versus eternal perspective, I think it is really helpful for us to say to people, like, there are going to be things that, from an earthly perspective that are unhandleable. Yeah. That like, are there are things that, like, feel impossible and feel like they could and will take you out. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is probably the main problem. Maybe we're hitting on the main problem with cliches is they're just too short. Yeah. It's just too quick. It's too yeah. pithy. You need a longer paragraph here. And so I would say, like, but we get God but we get eternity, but we get heaven. Mm -hmm. And me as a soul, was it too much for me to handle as a soul? No, because I got God and I'm going to like worship Jesus for eternity. Like at some point in my life, the truest thing about me is I'm going to die. And so at some point, so I'm not going to be able to handle something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're not wrong. <laughs> like to the point. 
point of death. I will not be able to handle it. And I hope that moment's later rather than sooner. But I'm just saying this is too short. Yeah. And I don't think it serves people well. If you think like that, this is what I think. (laughs) If this phrase makes you feel like a loving and kind God would never allow something really painful or hard or potentially like fatal in the lives of those he loves, then it it gives you a wrong picture of God, Mm -hmm. which at the end of the day, I just want people to have a good picture of God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We need to move on to a lighter one. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You and I hear this all the time and you know, it gets a bee in my bonnet. Yeah. It gets a real bee in my bonnet. (laughs) Women all the time say, I just don't want to get ahead of God. I'm going to tell you, I Googled this one. I Googled in Google. Can you get ahead of God? Also, I think I've told you that a few years ago, I went to my family lunch and I said, like, I need to have a serious theological discussion with all the adults in my family. I said, can we get ahead of God? Discuss. Talk to me about it. I found sermons that were like, don't get ahead of God. And lots of people talking about it. But I have questions. I have a lot of questions. Yeah. First and foremost, who do you think you are? How fast (laughs) are you? (laughs) Do you have an invisibility cloak? Is this the Harry Potter kingdom? Yeah. Also, like, when did we learn how fast God moves? How is, how fast? Yeah. yeah, I have questions. I have a lot of questions. Let me say the positive side before we give thumbs up then positive side of what I think people are trying to say is I don't want to move outside of like God's will for me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, if he gives me like some vision or a picture of where we're headed, I don't want to move before he says go. Yeah. I get that. I think that that's what they're saying, but I do want to be wise. You want to take the time to like hear from God to pray about things. Yeah. But, but I think even if you don't, I still don't think you can get ahead of them. <laughs> I don't I I don't know that you can. If God is in all through all up down forward back outside of time, I just don't like this idea that we can like somehow like trick him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Like I, <laughs> I, I you, you can't leapfrog God <laughs> is what I'm saying. You cannot bounce over his shoulders and like get a step ahead. Yeah. He like knew what you were feeling before you before you could comprehend what he you were did. feeling. He you know? did. Yeah. <laughs> and he accounted for it. Right. So I think there's something to say. I also I think it just again it makes us scared in not not a holy fear kind of way, but a like a human fear kind of way. Mm-hmm. And so I would say to any woman, and I have said to any woman who is who said to me, I don't want to get ahead of God, I would say, like, what do you think will happen if you hold your hands up and your timeline up and your plans up and you hold up to him and you say, God, I want to do what you want. I want to be humble. I want what you want. I want your glory. I want this in your timing. Will you stop me? Will you shut yeah. it down? I think he's that powerful that he'll be like, yeah, I'll close the door. Yeah. I'll shut it down. Yeah. Or I won't give you peace about it. I think he loves us that much. Mm -hmm. So I don't get necessarily like scared about getting ahead of God the way I feel like a lot of people communicate it. Yeah. It's not like, it's not a worry for me. I agree. Thumbs up, thumbs down. down. I want to say thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah. And we are just real big papoors today. We are just thumbs down in everything. (laughs) Okay. Maybe this is our Sideways on doing life together, but we have to have thumbs down on like everything. Okay. Maybe this next one is our, maybe this next one is our thumbs up. Okay. Actually, I think it is for me. I'm going. I'm yeah. going to come out strong. Yeah. Next cliche <laughs> phrase is choose joy. 
People hate this one or love it. Do you have anything with the phrase choose joy printed on it at your house? I don't. You're the least cheesy person I know. Yeah, so I don't I'm really have any yeah, yeah. words on my walls. Yeah. Personally. Just a personal I'm a words on my wall girl. Preference. If you thought that I was saying that that's cheesy that you that somebody would have that, I I was, but I'm telling you that's the kind of girl I am. I've got words on my walls. I'm into it. I don't have a choose joy, but I think I would. Yeah. I think I like it. Yeah. I think it's great. Even yeah. if it like even if some people do think it's a little cheesy, it's like a happy cheesy and it's a great reminder so yeah. you know yeah okay theologically let's get into it romans 15 may god fill you with joy james 1 2 count it all joy galatians 5 count it all joy john 15 abiding leads to joy i joy, think joy joy i think that joy is something we have access to it's a fruit of the spirit i think that we have access to joy and i think to some degree whether or not we want to take hold of it is possible. Now, there are parts of scripture where different people will say, like, pray that you would have joy. Mm -hmm. And I agree that sometimes you can't always be like, I'm going to choose joy today. Sometimes you are in the pit. Yeah. And you cannot choose it. And I get that. So I'm not, this is not me like, mm -hmm. you know, booping somebody on the nose and saying like, worst day of your life, choose joy. <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> Again, we are not insensitive girls. No, no. But I think that sometimes, like on a random Tuesday, yeah. when I think like working my like gratitude and my salvation out and like just being like, okay, the sun rose today. Like, let me get some perspective. I have coffee. I have coffee. I have food. Yeah. I do good work. I have I, a house. A hundred percent. I'm going to be joyful today. I'm I gonna, get I'm going right. to be grateful. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to, even in my suffering, like, right. If it's like something that I feel like I can say, like, you know what? Like scripture says, I'm going to count this joy. God's refining me in it. Mm -hmm. I think it's a personal choice, but I don't hate this phrase. I don't either. Okay. I have personally thought about getting a tattoo that just says joy. So You have? Yeah. Joy was like a big word for a minute in my life. Wow. I want to. It, it wasn't like the whole choose joy phrase. I want to know everything. That's also, that's it. a big deal because I don't have any tattoos. She has so. no tattoos. <laughs> and I constantly pitch her to get a, a friend tattoo with me. I'm not against it. I'll get one. I just, hey, well, I it's going to probably be a joy one now. <laughs> Mine might say choose joy. Last. Yours can say choose joy. You can say joy. We put them together. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's truly a friendship tattoo. I think we just figured it out. <laughs> and there's a half a heart around each I one. Can't. This is my best day. <laughs> Stay ever. tuned for photos. <laughs> I love this podcast. Okay, last one. Hates it, everyone. <laughs> Are you ready? Thumbs down. I hate this cliche. I wonder if anyone could guess what it is. I bet we do say it a lot. I feel stuck. Ew. Ew. <laughs> Here's why I hate it. It's the number one phrase we hear from all women who are coming for coaching. And I want you to know that I love you and I feel compassion for you that you feel stuck. I feel stuck sometimes. You know what is true? Actually, you know what I hate more than I feel stuck? I am stuck. Am stuck. Yeah. Because feeling can, stuck. Feelings are valid. You can feel. If your feelings are absolutely valid and worth listening to and let's pay attention to them. It's the idea that you could be stuck in some point of your life that I want to punch in the face. Yeah. Which punching in the face is another cliche I don't like. Oh, yeah. What does it mean? You, you can't. You, you can't, can't punch it. It's. No. Not a physical object. How do you, what do you, did you ever think about this phrase before we started going tell gals? I mean, I'm sure I probably said it, mm -hmm. but it wasn't something I like dwelled on. Do dwelled? You, dwelled? 
That's a different question. Anyway. Did you know that there are only five words in the English language that start with DW? See if you can guess them right now. <laughs> Dwell. This is like Wordle 2.0. <laughs> this, this is on the West Wing. Dwell. Dwight. <laughs> That's that one. <laughs> Dwell. Dwarf. Drawer. No, that's no, that's dr. DR. Yep. I don't know if I know them right now. Dwell dwarf, you are cheating. Let it be known. Let the record show she's googling. Dwell dwarf. Let this me see is if I twenty twenty two. We have Google. Dwell dwarf, dwindle. There's dwindle. a lot more than five. What? Well, maybe not. There's dwale. No. Dwarf dweeb. Dwell dwelt dwine. Dwales. Mm. Dwarfs. What? Dwindle. Maybe there's only... Dwell. Maybe there's really only three. Dwarf, twindle, dwindle, dwell. Because these are all... These are, well, I guess, dweeb. Man, we are really getting off track Okay. Here. <laughs> okay. Um, Forgot we had a... Do you ever... Do you ever feel stuck now? Do you feel stuck now? I think, like, temporarily. I think there will be days where it's almost like you get a little, like, brain block or, like, a little, I don't know, even if you feel like you don't have as much, like, momentum in something as you you think you should, you can feel stuck. But I think I just know that that's not a thing. Yeah. Move forward. Well, here's our mini coaching session. You've probably heard it on the podcast before. If you haven't, this is for you. The reason why the enemy loves to make women and people and men feel stuck is because once you make agreements with the idea that you're stuck, once you start to say, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, there is no anecdote to being stuck because you can't actually be stuck. Because because you just aren't in the kingdom, because you can always make a move. Once you start to agree, I'm stuck here, I'm stuck here, I'm stuck here, then there's no anecdote to like a problem that doesn't exist. Right. And you just have to do something. You just have to do something. But it's the same thing I would say with writer's block. When people start to say, I feel writer's block, I feel writer's block, I feel writer's block. Like all, literally all you have to do is open a laptop and start typing. I have writer's block. I'm not sure what to say. And then you're writing something, yeah, and you then know, you don't have writer's block. and then you don't, it might be bad writing. It doesn't matter. You just, you just start writing again. But this is our little go-to coaching session that we give to anyone who feels stuck because we do have so much compassion for that feeling. And I do feel stuck sometimes. Yeah, for sure. We say you can always go up. You can worship. That often gets people unstuck. Put on some worship music, talk to God, praise God, experience gratitude, do any of those things. Choose joy for the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Worship, you can go up. You can always go down, meaning you can always repent. Repent, therefore, that times of refreshing may come. So if you feel stuck, you can pause and say, "Did I have I been in sin in some way? Is there something that I've been like doing that's making me feel stuck? Can I just tell God sorry? Can I apologize to myself. Can I make a change? Can I turn around so that I can experience repentance? You can always go back. You can look at God's faithfulness in the past just to remind yourself of his goodness, his character, his love in your life. And you can always take a step forward, even if you're not totally sure if it's the right step. If it is for the good of others and the glory of God, you just make a step. And we think that he, I'm not going to say think, I know he'll be there with you and you won't be stuck in the name of Jesus. And if all else fails, just remember everything happens for a reason. And I can't. God won't give you more than you can handle. You Stop. know what I'm saying? <laughs> we-
We love you guys. God bless you. Maybe let us know what cliches we missed. Yes. I would love to hear more. Maybe we'll do a round two. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have fun with it. We love you. We bless you. And we are not being cliche when we say we believe God is mighty in you. We love you gals. See you later. Bye. You are listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. You can find us at goandtellgals.com online or go and tell gals on Instagram or Facebook. We would be so honored if you had a minute to leave a review wherever you've listened to this episode, share it with your friends and let us know that you're listening. We're so grateful for you. God is mighty in you.